Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. This weekend, we're taking a kind of a turn in the series where we've been talking about some things Jesus was sent to do. But this weekend, we're taking the turn and we're going to talk about some of the things as believers in Jesus we have been commissioned to do. And the title of this weekend's message is Called to Be Disciples. We are called to be disciples. Now, a lot of believers think that it is the responsibility of pastors, vocational ministers to be the disciples. You know, we look at the disciples in scripture and we kind of think they were, the, they were Christ's pastoral staff. It started with the 12, then the 70, and it kept growing after that. One of the highest callings you will ever have in your life, and I would say it's the highest calling, is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In my life, probably like yours, I go by a lot of different titles. I'm called Daddy. I'm called Honey. My wife calls me that. You're not allowed to call me that. Only my wife is allowed to call me that. I'm called Son. I'm called Friend. I'm called Pastor. Every once in a while, I'm called Idiot. I'm called a lot of different things, but there is no calling in my life that I take more seriously than that of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as I was preparing this message, I had what I would kind of term the David Letterman top 10 list of things disciples do. And this last week, I had a coffee with one of my great friends here in the Valley, one of my closest friends uh, in ministry, Tyler Johnson, who's the lead pastor of Redemption Church, they got campuses all over the valley, incredible church, incredible man. And we weren't even talking about disciples or discipleship, and he just kind of mumbles this, this awesome one-liner, and he says, listen, I, I've found that the best definition of a disciple is one who listens and obeys. And it was like a fireworks show went off in my heart. The Lord was speaking to me, and I, I kind of just threw my arms up in my heart and just went back to the drawing board. Because it, it's, if we're to boil down what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there are some foundational things. And, and these trump the other ones. Listen, I could have, have taught, and I still can teach, a message on things we're, we do as disciples. But if we don't do the things we're going to talk about in this message, then those other things aren't going to have the kind of power Jesus intended them to have. So let's answer this question. What is a disciple? If we're all called to it as believers in Jesus Christ, what is a disciple? Here's the first answer. Point number one, a disciple is one who listens. A disciple is one who listens. The number one evidence we are having fellowship with the Father is that we hear his voice. Think about what a privilege it is to hear God's voice. It's something I never want to take for granted, that the veil was torn, that I now, it's not just one person hears for everybody, the high priest. We all have the opportunity to hear God, the God of the universe, speak to us. That's a huge deal, all right? Now, I want to talk just a little bit about what kind of, of people hearers are. People who consistently hear God's voice aren't pastors, they're Christ followers, but they, they have some habits, they do some things that I believe help them to hear God speak more clearly. And here's the first one. Hearers, and this is going to surprise you, are 
sin conscious. Hearers are sin conscious. The number one question I get asked the most is how do I hear God's voice? And Jesus really sets this foundationally. He he says, listen, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, so every believer in Jesus Christ hears his voice. So the question they're really asking me isn't how can I hear God's voice? They're really asking how can I hear God's voice more clearly? And they're often surprised when one of the things I talk to them about is being more sin conscious. I'll explain. Have you ever been at work and let, let's just use that as an example. Let's say you're trying to close a deal and you really need the commission on this deal. And the, the person you're trying to seal the deal with, they, they say in the conference room, hey, this, this baby is pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. Why don't we go to the club tonight and I'll sign the paperwork there? And I don't even need to mention what kind of club, and I'm not even going to dignify that type of club because of what it does to women. But in that moment, what voice do you constantly kind of hear saying, now don't do that? Okay, now for some of you, that's a a heavy example, so I'll I'll make it a little bit lighter, okay? Have you ever, at work, maybe your, your overseer, your boss, is on vacation, and you have the thought 90 minutes before you're supposed to go home. I think I'm gonna go home today, an hour and a half early. And you kinda hear that voice. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Okay, simple question. Whose voice do you think that is? It ain't yours, and it's certainly not the devil's. The devil's never gonna ask you a question about doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. One of the best ways to hear God's voice more clearly is when you hear the voice of God whispering to you, However you hear it, some of us hear it like this, please don't do that. Others hear it like this, I wouldn't do that if I were you. If you're like me, you hear it like this, don't you dare do that, Preston. Okay, that's kind of how I hear it most of the time. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 5, and chapter 1 verse 5, says this, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Now watch this next part. When we do this, when we say everything's great, but we're actually living in spiritual darkness, we are not practicing the truth. Here's the one-liner. We cannot expect to consistently hear God's voice when we consistently shut him down when he says, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Jesus in John 16, verse 8, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said, And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of its sin. Question, does the Holy Spirit stop convicting us once we become believers in Jesus? No. In fact, we actually get even more conviction. I'll explain it like this. Uh, The closer we get to him the more convicted we feel by him. I'll I'll describe it like this. Think about this in the New Testament. If we were to take a a look at all of the men and women in the New Testament, not named Jesus, 
who would you say is kind of widely recognized as the person who seemed to hear God the most and the most clearly? Who would you say? I mean, here's a tip. Who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write many of the books in the New Testament? Paul, right? Okay, Paul is widely recognized in the New Testament as probably the guy who heard God's voice the most clearly and the most frequently. And listen to what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And I, Paul says, I am the worst of them all. This is a guy we all look at and say, man, he heard God really clearly. Yes, he did. And one of the things he said in getting so close was, listen, I'm one of, I am the chief sinner. Like, I'm the worst of everybody. Now, listen, being sin conscious doesn't mean walking around going, I'm so horrible. That's not sin conscious. Okay, that's me focused. Sin conscious, the next verse, Paul goes on to say, listen, he doesn't say, woe is me, I'm so horrible, I'm awful. He says, I understand, I'm a sinner. I'm, I was really bad, I am really bad, but for the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. Paul says, hey, God did this on purpose so that his grace could be shown to the whole world. Let's go to the Old Testament. When we take a look at kind of the, the major prophets in the Old Testament, who is one of the major prophets who's widely identified as someone who heard God very clearly and very often? Here's a hint. Whose book of the major prophets is the longest? Isaiah, right? Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read you verse 1 and verse 5. He says this, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he goes on to describe this picture. Now watch his response in verse five. He says, then I said, it's all over. He's just seen the Lord. It's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Listen, one of the easiest ways to hear God's voice more clearly is when you hear that voice saying, don't do that, heed it. Heed it. Here's another way to say it. Don't do anything you hear God saying to you not to do. Just think about it. This is a really simple principle. Think about your kids. When you say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, if they keep doing what you ask them not to do, uh, is your response favorable or unfavorable? It's not very pretty if they just keep doing what you ask them not to do. Okay, it's no different with God. I bet many of you had not thought about one of the easiest ways to hear God's voice more clearly is simply when you hear that voice saying, don't do that, you don't. Here's something else hearers are. Hearers are scripture obsessive. People who hear God's voice consistently seem to be obsessive about Scripture. This is an easy one, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and how does hearing come? Hearing by the Word of God. From time to time, you might hear somebody in the church world say, thus saith the Lord. And every once in a while, and I, having been around this world most of my life, Every once in a while, you hear somebody say, thus saith the Lord, and what they said before that, you're, you're like, no, God did not say that, okay? 
And I, I have those happen from time to time. One happened years ago before I came out here uh, to plant this church. I was doing pre-marriage counseling with a couple. Great couple, real strong type A man. And she was sweet, but had been through a lot of tough stuff in her life. So we go through their premarital counseling, do the wedding. And less than a year later, this guy texts me and he says, hey, can we get together for coffee? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's catch up. We sit down for coffee. I kid you not, before I could even say, hey, bro, how's married life treating you? He just goes into the deep end of the pool. And he goes, he says this, Preston, I feel like God's given me a word. I said, man, that's awesome. Tell me what it is. Let's go. It seems serious, but drop the bomb on me. He says, I feel like God has told me that I shouldn't be in this marriage anymore. What do you say in that moment? What do you do? I let it just breathe for a sec. I let him have his last few seconds of freedom. <laughs> and then I grabbed my Bible figuratively and took him out back and whooped him seven ways to Sunday. <laughs> now he's a friend and I was not browbeating him. But listen, sometimes we need to be spanked. All of us. And, and here's what we have to remember. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 21. Now I know the context of this passage is talking about prophetic words we receive. I think this is a good rule of thumb for any word we feel like we're hearing God say to us, whether it's through a human or whether we feel like God's saying it to us. All right? This is what it says. First Thessalonians 5, 21. But test everything that is said. Test everything. Don't just come in here and listen to every word I say. And go, yep, that's the Bible. No, it's not. I'm telling you right now, five years from now, I'll probably disagree with 20% of what I'm saying right now. Why? Because I'm just a man in a process on a journey doing my best to hear God's voice. I'm not God. Test everything that is said. What should we test everything that is said up against? The word of God. The truth. Here's another way to say this, and if you have a tendency to kind of hear things that other people go, huh, this is a good one-liner for you. If something you hear doesn't line up with scripture, God did not say it. If something you hear that you feel like is from God disagrees with scripture, you weren't hearing God. Think about this, God will never contradict himself, ever. He cannot. Because if he contradicts himself, it's like two people arguing about a topic. Well, one of them has to be wrong. God's never going to contradict himself, ever. So it's why we have to judge everything we feel God's saying up against scripture. And so many times in my life, God will, will put a stamp on something I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me using a scripture. It just happened this week in a really big area of my life. He gives us his word to confirm what we feel like He's saying to us, and if you ever hear me say, you, you will never, hopefully, hear me say, thus saith the Lord. You will always hear me qualify it by saying, I felt the Lord say. You know why? Because I've been wrong. Nobody except Jesus batted a thousand or will ever bat a thousand in hearing God's voice. That's why we have to test everything that is said. Now, John chapter 8, we talked about this last week in verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, to believers in Yeshua, if you abide in my word, 
you are my disciples indeed. Here's what this means. The fastest way to hear God's voice in your heart is to have his word already hidden there. How much time are you spending in God's word? I'm not talking about weekend messages. I'm talking about every day. If you're having trouble hearing God's voice, it's really simple. It's not as hard as we make it out to be because his word is his written word. You learn what God sounds like by reading the words he's written. When was the last time we memorized a verse of the Bible? Jesus says, if you abide in my word, this is one of the ways you know. You're my disciple. Here's the third thing a hearer is. Hearers are not self-focused. Hearers are not self-focused. This is not a one-liner in your notes, so if you like to add the extras, this one's for you. Your life cannot be self-focused and Christ-centered at the same time. My life absolutely cannot be self-focused and Christ-centered at the same time. Now, let me kind of try and describe what what I mean by hearers are not self-focused. Each of us has a tendency every once in a while to be what I call a hope hearer rather than a him, capital H, hearer. And here's what we look like when we become hope hearers. We begin to think we're hearing God say things we hope he is actually saying. See, that guy, my friend, was telling me, I hope God is saying to me, hey, this marriage thing with this girl is so much harder than you expected and so much messier, just get out of it. He was hoping that's what God said. But you know what's awesome? They're still married, have several kids, incredible marriage, and God taught him an incredible lesson that changed his life. And if he would have tapped out, he never would have learned it. That's God's process. But sometimes we have a tendency to kind of hear what we hope God is saying. If everything you're hearing is what you want to hear, the voice you're hearing isn't God's. I know that's a strong statement. Well, Preston, God said he'd give me the desires of his heart. Yes, in accordance with his will. There is no way, no way at all that when God speaks to you, it's always going to be exactly what you want to hear. That's one of the ways I know it's him. When I go, oh, 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 that hurt to hear. But you're so right and I'm so sorry. Here's another way. If you immediately understand everything you're hearing, the voice you're hearing isn't God's. Think about this. How could I, as a finite man, with a limited mind, engage in conversation with the God of the universe who is infinite and has all knowledge and all wisdom? How could I engage in a conversation with that God and understand everything he's saying? God says, Preston, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Another way to say that is, homeboy, you're not gonna understand everything I say. One of my favorite things about following after Christ is sometimes God will speak to you and it doesn't make any sense, right? You look at today and you go, man, God, this, that, that word just doesn't seem to add up with what I'm seeing today. And here's how I think God responds in that moment. Yeah, bro, it's because you and I use different calculators. I am not, Preston, stuck in today. I know what it looks like 20 years from now. And if you knew what I knew about 20 years from now, you'd be laughing at how accurate this word is. 
That's one of the ways we know it's God. When we don't quite understand it, that doesn't make sense. God, you're telling me my teenager is going to be in ministry, but they're, they're running so far away from you. God knows the end from the beginning. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own. Here's another way to say that. The Holy Spirit will not say what he wants to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what he has heard. And we know that's from the Father. Here's another way to say this. If the Holy Spirit does not say what he wants, he most certainly is not always going to say what you want. But the bigger question is this. Would you rather hear what you want him to say or what he wants to say? Which would you rather hear? Because I know in the flesh, we really kind of want to hear what we want him to say, right? Because we think we know, we think we know what's best. But I want to show you a scripture that serves as a good reminder to all of us that we should never want God to say what we want to hear him say. We should always want to hear him say what he wants to say. Isaiah chapter 55 Verse 11, God says, so shall my word be, my word. You can underline that in your notes. God says, so shall my word, not your word, Preston, my word be, that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This is the best reminder in scripture that you might think you wanna hear what you wanna hear from God, but the best thing to hear is what he wants to say because his word never, ever, ever returns void. Mine, almost always void. His, never, he says. Never, ever will a word from my mouth return void. This is why we must press in to hear what he wants to say, not what we want him to hear. Here's the second answer to the question, what is a disciple? One who obeys. One who obeys. In, in your notes, it says the only way. That's probably way too strong. I probably shouldn't word it like that. So if you want to cross that out, you, you can say one of the best ways to keep hearing what God says is to keep doing what God says. This is a very simple principle, but I think we forget about this far too often. One of the best ways to hear God's voice more clearly is not just not do something he says don't do, but it's to do something he says do. Now, let's say you're a business owner and you have two employees in your place of business and one employee never does what you ask them to do. The other employee always does what you ask them to do. Okay, remember, it's just the three of you in the office. Let me ask you a few questions about these two employees. Which of the two employees are you more apt to fire? Are you gonna fire the one who always does what you ask? No, some of you are horrible employers because you're like, I'm not sure, that's bad. <laughs> Which are you more apt to promote? The one who hears what you ask and does it, right? Of the two, which are you more apt to have a relationship with? The one who does what you ask, right? I want to show you in scripture, and let me give you this one-liner if you're taking extra notes before I read you Luke 6. 
This, this isn't in your notes, but if you like the extras, write this one down. Some of us are quicker to obey our boss than we are to obey our Lord. And I want to show you what Jesus says about this in Luke chapter 6. So if, you're, if you've turned there, I want you to read this. Verse 46. Remember last week, we were talking about everybody getting riled up about, you know, demonic influence and all this stuff. And, and Jesus kind of pulled out the apple. Remember that? Everyone's freaking out and Jesus goes... He's chewing with his mouth open. I'm convinced of it. It's not a sin, but it's not good, okay? Some of you chew like horses, and you should, you should watch yourself, okay? Jesus is chewing like a horse, trying to drive home a point. This is how I, I see the picture. Listen, I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Relax. Okay, that's how I think he was saying that. Well, I think this Luke chapter 6, verse 46, is another apple moment, Okay? I think he's sitting there eating the apple. And this is hilarious. We read through stories like this and we just read right past it. Listen to what he says in Luke 6, verse 46. Jesus is eating the apple. And he goes, So why do you call me Lord, Lord? Okay, this word in the Greek means Kyrie. It's the word Kyrie, which means master. He says, Why do you call me Master, Master? but you don't do what I say. A brilliant question by the Son of God. He just nonchalantly is saying, hey, there's so many of you people running around calling me Lord, Lord, but then I ask you to do something and you don't do it. Like you call me Master, Master, but then I ask you to do something and you don't do what I ask you to do. Like why call me Master then? It just kind of seems silly, doesn't it? And here, some of us have an inner narrative that says of God, says of Jesus, that when we don't do what God asks us to do, that God becomes angry, he, he wants to hurt us, discipline us, kick us out of the family. We have this false narrative. But I want you to see what Jesus says to people who are not doing what he asks them to do. He does not get angry. He says, hey, let me paint a picture for you. He just very casually says, let me paint a picture of what life looks like when you do this. Verse 47, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Okay, Jesus isn't calling these people idiots. He's just lovingly saying, if I tell you something to do and you don't follow it, your life is eventually gonna be in shambles. Okay, so this leads to a really important question. Why do we have so many Christians whose lives are unnecessarily in shambles? Jesus answers the question in Luke chapter six. I think Jesus would answer it like this, because there are so many of my disciples who are not, a living, who are not living according to my word. Disciples are those who listen to the voice of God, but then when God leads them to do something, they do it. But Preston, I am so passionate though. 
Like I concede, Preston, that, that you know, I, I don't always do what God asks me to do, but I am passionate about God. Like I come to church almost every weekend and I raise my hands in worship. Preston, not everybody raises their hands. Like, and I clap in a gateway. Preston, I don't know if you noticed, but not everybody claps all the time. Like I am passionate about God. That's great. Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 11. And it's a little bit PG-13, okay? I'm letting you know. I know some of you don't think this would be recorded in scripture. It's a little PG-13. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 is on a run. I mean, he's dropping mics with one hand and bombs with another hand. He is teaching fire, okay? And this woman in the crowd gets all riled up. I mean, she is going bananas. She is so stirred up. And she shouts out loud in front of God, Jesus, and everyone. She says, blessed is the womb that conceived you, and blessed are the breasts that nursed you. And again, I think this is like one of those apple moments with Jesus. Listen in Luke eleven twenty-eight. 28, okay? Jesus replied, and I think he kind of chuckled, like, <laughs> never heard that one before. He says, yeah, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. This is not what he was even talking about. But he's addressing something much deeper, and here it is. Jesus does not want you emotionally impressed with what he says. He wants you to be obsessively obedient with everything he says. Well, how do I know that I'm not just emotionally stirred up by a sermon? There's a simple answer. You immediately apply what you hear God saying. That's how you know. See, some of us like to come to church and we, we like to get all riled up and fired up and we're looking for that dopamine hit rather than that divine word from God that might come in the form of a whisper that nobody even gets excited about in the sermon. Disciples are those who listen, but also obey. And here's the third answer. Disciples are ones who learn and grow. A disciple is one who learns and grows. I don't think we understand just how serious Jesus is about his disciples learning and growing. I just want to show you a couple of things that I think we just kind of pass over and don't understand how serious a call every disciple has to learn and grow in Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Okay, now everybody's minds when they hear that word in this passage, they go to my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But I want you to see what Jesus says next. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. The Son of God says, hey, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but everywhere Jesus goes, he teaches. There are so many times he was trying to get away to have some alone time with the Father and what ends up happening? He teaches. He's napping on a boat, gets awakened, teaches. He was constantly teaching. Why? Why was Jesus always teaching everywhere he went? Because Jesus expects his followers to constantly be learning. And I want you to see something, uh, because I, I think a lot of people, a lot of believers, 
think that learning is for geniuses. And so if I were to ask the question, what is step one in learning? They would say being smart. Okay, I am not smart. My philosophy, and if you're a teenager, do not listen to what I'm about to say because it's horrible. But my philosophy, unfortunately, was C's get degrees. I got a 960 on my SAT, okay? I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I know it. This is one of the biggest reasons why I wake up every morning and rely on the wisdom of God. Do you realize that the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, one of my heroes in scripture, makes a statement that I think was one of the wisest things anyone has ever said. And remember, this is the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon says, I am but a boy and I do not know my way around. He's saying, God, I know everybody thinks I'm the wisest man on the planet right now, but I am still just a boy and I do not know my way around without you telling me. What's the real first step in learning? Wanting to. Wanting to. Let me show you in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2, 3, and 4, what our want to is supposed to look like as it relates to learning and growing in Christ, seeking after the wisdom of God. Proverbs 2 says this, Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them out like hidden treasures. Listen, all of my friends who are close to me know that when I'm studying and I feel like the Holy Spirit gives me a bomb of a one-liner, the wisdom of God, that they're going to get a text or a phone call from me inevitably, and, and I call them like this, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I don't even ask them if they have time to talk. I'm so riled up. You got to hear this. This is nasty. This is so incredible. And I, I'm riled up because I still to this day can't wrap my mind around the fact that the God of the universe who has all wisdom would ever send me a note with some of his wisdom on it. I can't believe he does it. I, I'm obsessive. I mean, I get so excited when he does it. This is what Proverbs 2 is saying. This is, we're supposed to seek after the wisdom of God in which we learn from and grow in as though we were seeking after a treasure. Now, this next one-liner is a little bit strong because some of us have become kind of convinced that we don't need to learn anymore. And we say things like, can't teach dog new, an old dog new tricks. And what we're really saying is, son, I'm old and wise and you're not. And if that's you, let me just give you this one-liner. If you aren't searching for insight like a treasure, it's because you think you're already rich. When we compare our wisdom to the wisdom of the God who has all wisdom, it will constantly keep us humble. John 14, 26, Jesus addresses this teaching thing I'm talking about that I think we miss. And it, it basically answers a question, because think about it, he's saying to the disciples, listen, I, the teacher, I, I've gotta go. And that day is coming near and near. I'm going to be gone. And it's like the disciples are, are saying, hey, teacher, we've just now gotten used to living like learners. And now you're saying the teacher is going to go away pretty soon. Who's going to be our teacher? Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Jesus said, relax. 
you're still going to be able to learn as much or more than ever because the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to be your constant teacher. Okay. So we see scripture saying that the Holy Spirit is our constant teacher, but here's the big question every disciple of Jesus needs to ask themselves and answer. Am I a constant learner? Am I constantly learning and growing in Christ on a daily basis? Luke chapter two, verse 52 says this of Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus, the Son of God, grew in wisdom. Fully God, but fully man. He grew in wisdom. Listen, if we're his followers, we are called to learn and grow. When you think about all that Christ has done for you and for me, when you think about the fact that without his sacrifice, the blood he shed on that cross, I'd be stuck for eternity in hell. It doesn't seem like too much to ask when Jesus comes to us and says, hey, follow me. Don't just follow me to church, follow me. Follow my way of doing things, follow my lifestyle. Preston, I died for you but I didn't just die to get you out of hell. I died so that you would become one of my disciples and get others out of hell. Preston, don't get comfortable where you are. My father has a plan for you and every one of his children. We all have a role. And I just sense, especially in this season for us as a church, God of the universe, peering over the balcony of heaven and going, come on, let's go. I don't just use smart people. I don't just use qualified people. I use every one of my children. I want to use you in new and miraculous ways. I don't want to be just a Christian. I want people from near and far to look in the direction of my life and say, there goes a disciple of Jesus Christ. And with all of my heart, I want that for you too. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.